Welcome to the You and Me podcast, the show where we dive deep into the beautiful world of weddings. I'm Laura, the founder of Wonderlust Creative, an international wedding planning and styling company servicing a global collective of loved up couples. And I'm Andy, the founder of The Bridal Journey, a source of inspiration for brides and Revealed, a wedding marketplace where brides can buy and sell pre-loved wedding items. In each episode of the You and Me podcast, we sit down with a real bride who openly shares their unique wedding planning journey. From the excitement of the proposal to the magical moments of her wedding day, we delve deep into the emotions, the challenges and the triumphs of planning a wedding. Join us as we celebrate love, offer practical advice and share the experiences of brides just like you. Prepare for heartfelt conversations and inspiring stories on the You and Me podcast. Welcome to the You and Me podcast. Today on the pod, we have Jesse Marshall. Jesse, welcome and thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk all things wedding with you and it's nice to actually... We are still all in the middle of COVID, so it's nice to talk about other things than this virus that just keeps rearing its ugly head. So for those of you who don't know you, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. um, Funny you should say that about the COVID situation because I literally had this conversation last night with my husband. Weird. I actually haven't physically said that myself. Um, (laughs) But we were just so lucky with our our timing to kind of get it through now that the cases are popping back up again. So we, you know, we were one of those people that were like, do we pause? Do we move the date? And when did we, I now look back and think, no, we did the right thing. So to give you a little bit of background on me, I am a beauty and fashion publicist. I own Hive in Sydney, but we take care of a number of, yeah, brands nationally. Um, I have a team of, I think there's six of us. I keep losing count. We're only three years old. So we're still in startup mode and yeah, we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And what made you, had you always wanted to be a lady startup or what, what pushed you into Hive? Yeah. Good question. I remember growing up always kind of having a side hustle you know I left school and studied beauty therapy and worked as a beauty therapist you know doing facials and waxing and manicures and all of that but was really interested in the science side of the skincare and making of the skincare so then I went into a more training type of role for skincare brands and being on the road but during that time, I was still, you know, doing spray tans at home. So I had this little side hustle of a little beauty business on the side. And then I moved to Sydney and I had a dance studio with a friend that I co-founded. And it was then that I realized that I didn't want to be a hands-on beauty therapist anymore. Then yeah. what did I really love about the beauty industry? And I thought, oh, I really liked, I worked for Dermalogica at the time. And it was this moment of, I really liked what the girls in marketing and comms were doing. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go back um, and study. And I went to uni as a mature age student and that was not for me. That's a commitment in itself. Like that's huge. That's huge thing to go back when you've kind of walked away from full-time study and you've got the sniff of what money feels like and tastes like. Then to go back and, you know, be a mature age student, you've obviously really wanted to pursue this side of, of, you know, your career. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you're exactly right. The two years of study, because it was a four, three Welcome. or four year degree, I think. And I had gotten a full-time job in the industry and I just let, let the study go because I couldn't, I wasn't used to that amount of work because, you know, I studied years and years ago and I had a full-time job and was so used to, yeah, that paycheck. Yeah. So I just dived straight in. I also learn better hands-on. I'm not a bookworm by any means. I've never finished an actual novel ever. <laughs> so <laughs> through a textbook, I was like, this just isn't me. So I, yeah. Uh, gave up the study, just got the experience hands-on, worked in the industry, and then three years ago started Hive. Wow. Well, congratulations because turning like a hustle into a career is one thing, but doing it, you know, being in the same industry, but picking up later on in life and going through school again, it, it must have been, you must be busy. You must have been a very busy woman. I feel like you're the type of woman that will constantly have something on the go, something that you want to do and, and um, you know, always kind of searching for whatever else you can you can find to make your, yourself grow and experience new things. So it's, um yeah, I, I, lo- I love that. I love that story. And I think it's, it's so important to, um, you know, celebrate wins as girl bosses yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. And so, Miss Busy, how did you meet your partner? Were you guys together for, you know, ages beforehand or what? what's the story there? Yeah, so we actually met on Bumble. Yes, uh, when Bumble modern was day. a thing. Yeah, modern day. We met on Bumble. We had a mutual friend, which is why I went on the date. Okay. Um, so you vetted him. Yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did. I did because Bubba was so new, you know, yeah, okay. four or five years ago. Uh, it Well, it felt new. And, yeah, I did. I did vet him and decided to, you know, just check, check where he was from. We actually weirdly lived very close to one another on the Gold Coast. We didn't know each other then. He was yeah. at uni. I obviously, that's where I grew up. But we met in Sydney and then, you know, through conversation, et cetera, you worked out that we lived only two streets away, which is super weird. But, yeah, so we met on Bumble four years ago. Yeah. Insane. That's crazy. And so from the same, basically the same town on the Goldie, but met while you're in Sydney. Fate? Via Bumble. Yeah, so weird. We often laugh. Because we say, you know, had we have met on the Gold Coast at that time in our lives, we totally would have hated each other just because we were in such a different, you know, world at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's all good in hindsight to say things like this, but things do happen for a reason. And you obviously weren't meant to meet him when you were younger because it never would have worked out. So, yeah, I think I think it's all it's all it's all lined up there and it will happen when it happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, so yeah, we met four years ago and we got engaged during lockdown, um, August 2020. Okay. All right. So, okay. So four years ago, August 2020, did you, being in lockdown is obviously, look, when you're with your partner for longer than a year, you you pick up on the idiosyncrasies, don't you? You know, when they're lying or when they're hiding something or like, you know, did you eat that chocolate, the last chocolate bar? No, like, you know, you know exactly. So, but 
you then go to work and it's kind of like you're separated from them. So being in lockdown and potentially being, um, you know, in each other's space for a long period of time, did you see this proposal coming? Yeah, I am very, (laughs) I am very uh, investigative. Maybe it's the PR in me, the publicist, always looking for like what's happening in the background. Also, Michael runs his own business too. And when I first started Hive, we obviously both kind of startups, I guess. Well, Michael was kind of two years ahead of me in his journey of um, entrepreneurship. So when I started Hive, we actually really quite immersed into one another's lives because obviously I didn't have a team. I wasn't going to work. I was working from home as is he. So lockdown for us was actually quite easy because we were so used to that life of being intertwined or working quite closely together during the day. Yeah. So we had already actually experienced that in in when Hive kind of was in that first year of business because I would be working from my bedroom and all of those things before we got an office. So we were definitely used to it. But because I'm such an investigator, I did know about the engagement in that I kept asking questions upon questions, which really infuriated Michael um, <laughs> to the point of I was, I knew around about, a month out that it would happen within the four weeks. So I started getting my nails done every week. Oh my God. I love this. <laughs> Prepare that, you know, my nails would be perfect when he proposed. He had also prepped my best friend in Sydney to say, you know, make sure you take Jessie for her nails because it is going to happen. And, you know, he kind of involved her in ensuring to throw me off scent at certain points. Yeah. But on the Friday before the proposal, I think it was, I went and got my nails done, just, you know, a fluke that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go get them done one more time just in case it's this weekend. And I did a different colour, which is unlike me. I normally stick with the same very light, light pink verging on white. And I did a different colour. I had every nail was a different type of nude. And Jay's, my good friend, said, are you really going to do that on the weekend that it could be? You know, changing up, Jesse. that's different from you. And I thought, <laughs> oh, it's definitely this weekend. Yeah, totally. And <laughs> oh, no way. And how did, how did Michael do it? So we go to the, this place in Elizabeth Bay, which is close to where we live, where we walk the dog every morning. So he did it there in the morning. He had... Um, one of my suppliers in Sydney, a florist, she came and she set up flowers and like rose petals on the lawn. And we walked a certain way um, to the park that I didn't see until the last minute. Okay. So it was super relaxed, super relaxed um, morning proposal. We were supposed to, unbeknownst to me at the time, have uh, who were my bridal party. So my best friend from Queensland, my sister from Queensland and my other best friend in Melbourne were supposed to fly in and be there for a dinner that evening. But on the Thursday prior, yeah, the restrictions changed and they weren't able to be there. So he did have these plans for, yeah, I guess our nearest and dearest to be there for dinner, but they couldn't be. So we just had a group of friends that we went out to dinner with in Sydney. It was still amazing, but yes, there were obviously complications. Yeah. Okay. With COVID. Oh, that sounds like a really beautiful proposal and so in the moment as well. And also so real life. Like we, we interview some 
amazing couples and speak to them in my job. I, I, you know, I deal with couples every day as a planner and you hear the most incredible stories about proposals and they, they are elaborate and, you know, you're like, how do you top a wedding when you've got, like, how does a wedding top that proposal? But until you get to know people, it's, it's really important with a proposal, I think, for the guy to do it that really suits who you guys are too. You know, like, it's it's funny because you said that your girlfriend's like, don't change up your nail color. It would be interesting to know if like there was this huge elaborate proposal, whether or not like would it would it make you feel awkward or, you know, would it be you guys? So it's it's yeah. a huge thing with the wedding process. Yeah, absolutely. It was a very well thought out proposal in that it was very us. It was definitely me. I, Michael and I had discussed probably, you know, earlier in the year, how do you see your proposal? Just, you know, we have quite an open relationship in that we talk a lot about different things. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point I said, I definitely don't want that proposal in a restaurant. You know, I, I don't want that. That's just not me. I mean, he knows that about me. I wouldn't want it in that way. And where he proposed was really special to us. It's where we spend every morning. You know, that's where we go for a walk. So it was really, really nice and meaningful. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. And then it can just flow through straight into your big day, which is you keep all those personal details, you know, pretty close and experience them the way you want to. Yeah, so, absolutely. Jesse, how how and where did you decide to get married? Because you've mentioned that you got engaged during COVID. So you were in the thick of coming in and out of restrictions, obviously being in Sydney, um, you know, a lot of these kicked in for you guys, but the real shut off wasn't quite apparent then. So tell me, how did, how did, because we are only at the end of 21 and you are married. So, you know, you have been able to slot that in, in between all this craziness. So when you just, when the proposal happened and we were in the middle of COVID, what did you do? How did you navigate it? Yeah, good. Yeah, I, absolutely. So we came up to see family. My family lives on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. They actually live on New South Wales side. Okay. So we did come up and at that point the borders were definitely open, I believe, because I know we crossed to have a look at venues or maybe they were closed. I can't remember. Anyway, we came up to have a look at venues. It would have been in October. Okay. Just having a look around. We both. Um, because Michael obviously lived up here. He had a house in Mullumbimby. Uh, I obviously grew up on the Gold Coast. So we had a really nice pool to the area already. So we kind of knew that this was the um, area that we wanted to get married in. Yeah. Michael originally grew up in Adelaide. So that was also an option, but we we both felt really drawn to, yeah, northern New South Wales region. Yeah. And we looked at so many venues. And at this point, our guest list was quite large. My dad is one of 10. It's a huge family. So wow. our guest list at this point was sitting at, we were looking at venues for 150 people. And another prerequisite that we had was we wanted that outdoor style feeling and it had to be dog friendly. And when we say dog friendly, we have a little dog, Chip, who will not leave our side. So it wasn't as if he could oh, just be cute. at the ceremony and then leave. Yeah, Chip, he's so cute. He had to be there the entire time because oh. he just frets and he isn't, you can't leave him with somebody else. So the other prerequisite was that he had to be at the 
ceremony and the reception, which a lot of venues only do just the ceremony, not so much around the food. Yes. So our, where we could kind of have our, when we were looking at, you know, where, where we wanted to have it, it was quite a slim pickings of yeah, venues. Yeah. So we looked at a few and nothing really stood out. And then we got in touch with, her name's Nairi, event stylist and co. She is a wedding planner. My yep. sister popped me in touch with her and we spoke to her about like what we kind of wanted. And she said, there's this new venue that was opening up in Corumban mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast. It had not been built yet. Okay. But it was going to be a purpose-built venue inside indoor and outdoor so she showed us like a render of what it was going to look like and we thought okay let's let's go for it so we popped down a deposit and that was November 2020 and then this came up in March and they had started to open it gorgeous and this wedding venue was so extravagant Michael and I had kind of I guess gone from wanting this outdoor wedding to now it's an indoor wedding chandelier you know just I look back and I think oh gosh I'm it's so funny how you you start to come back into your own when when in the situation of COVID so um, we're still at 156 guests at this point we're at a outdoor indoor venue with a chandelier it's starting not to be very much us but you know you've paid the deposit you're here you're going with it and as we got into June of this year we obviously started to go into Sydney lockdown yeah and it was apparent at that point that okay we might not be getting the wedding that we want so yeah. we started analyzing and that Queensland border as we know very strict border <laughs> so we start like another country yeah it's like another, exactly it's like another country so we start having this conversation of okay well what will we do what will we do mm-hmm. and another payment was actually coming up on that venue and we were feeling quite um, stressed about yeah. the venue and then the guest list. And we thought, okay, we're going to cut the guest list down because the likelihood is is that we're not going to be able to have 156. So we started looking at our guest list. Yeah. And we were able to kind of remove people. And I'm sure anybody who is listening that has a COVID wedding and has to cut their guest list totally appreciates that it is the hardest decision that you have to do but people are really understanding because it's COVID and it it is what it is so we cut the guest list down to about 60. Okay wow a lot a big cut a big cut. How did you how did you do it how did you make those decisions because you're right there are a lot of people that were in or are still in and potentially still will be in next year, your position. So how did you do that? We wrote a poem that just expressed that we're going ahead on this date. And unfortunately, due to the situation, we we just have to cut down numbers. And because we were changing wedding venues, the new wedding venue didn't, wedding venue number two is what we're going to call it. Uh, We didn't, we couldn't have that, that, that number. Okay. Yep. Which good, which is great. It takes the pressure out of yours. Absolutely. And this venue was outdoor, which is so much more Michael and I, it didn't have the chandelier. It was in um, a large kind of paddock, I guess. We were going to have a marquee. If I think about like how Michael and I got engaged, it was outdoors. It was 
you know, it was just so much more us away from it being this, you know, larger, lavish type thing. So we liked the venue. Venue's still in Queensland. Venue number two is still in Queensland. We cut the guest list. We send out our poems. That, that, that's all fine. Everyone's happy. We are in the middle of lockdown and I am thinking to myself, my gosh, what if we, we don't get out of this? And Michael's response was, well, I really like the date. It was the 13th of November, which was also 13 is Michael's favourite and lucky number. So he wanted a Saturday on the 13th and it's actually his sister's wedding anniversary as well. So it was an important date that we wanted to kind of keep. Yeah. So Michael said, whatever happens, we want to do that date. So that was where that kind of landed. As it got closer to Queensland, definitely not opening to New South Wales. I thought, let's switch it. Let's move this because all of our suppliers, so our florist, we had a margarita cart. They were Queensland side, but if it was for work, you were allowed to um, cross because of the border. Yeah. So we could keep all our suppliers and just shift it to New South Wales. And at that point, it was when New South Wales was having the conversation of by this date, the vaccination rates are going to be this. So you guys are going to come out of lockdown. So for New South Wales, it felt positive, but getting into Queensland felt quite negative. So Jesse, I'm just going to ask you while I'm thinking of it, did when you had initially, so this is venue number two, which was in Queensland. So your guest list was both Sydney and Queensland guests or majority Queensland guests at this stage? So we had Adelaide and Melbourne, Sydney, not too many Gold Coasters at this point because they were on the original list and then when they went on to the cut the cut list because my reason for that was we can also have them at the recovery party, you know, like if they couldn't be there for the day, they could be at the recovery party. We need to ensure that we have family at the wedding because they're the people that want to witness it and all of that sort of thing. Yes. So yeah, the majority of the guest list was Adelaide and Sydney and then some Melbourne people too. Okay. All right. Oh gosh. Okay. So they're coming from everywhere. You're sitting on a borderline. And for those who aren't listening within Australia, it is literally like we just said before, the, 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 New South Wales, Queensland border is like two separate countries. It was really, really strict. So you've named this venue two, number two. So are you telling me that there's a venue number three? Venue number three. Because oh that Queensland border felt so strict. Yep. And as if we weren't going to get it. And taking into account, Michael and I were pushing for Queensland because more people could actually get into Queensland. So Adelaide, um, could get into Queensland. The moment that we switch that to New South Wales side, Adelaide may not be able to get into New South Wales. So that is also another reason why we kind of looked at keeping Queensland for as long as we could because because we were trying to accommodate so many people because even though it wasn't a destination wedding as in we're not going to Fiji, it still felt felt like that because of COVID. Because (laughs) there's border permits and vaccination statuses that you have to show. So as we get to, I think it was four weeks before the date and I said that border isn't going to open. We're not going to be able to get through. We we have to move this. And if we move this, Michael, are you okay with that? Because it means you potentially do not have any groomsmen. Okay. Because they were all in Adelaide. Yeah. 
Wow. So we start having the conversation of, okay, so if we do it on New South Wales side, this is who potentially can come. We had, so we're at 60 in terms of guests at this point. And regardless of whether we had it in Queensland or New South Wales, if we had it in Queensland, it meant we had about 37 people. If we had it in New South Wales, it meant we had 37 people as well. It was just a completely different shift of who who could could actually come. come. Yes. So we go back to the drawing board of venues. I call Nairi, our our planner, and I said, okay, we need need another plan. I just don't think this Queensland board is going to open. And at the end of the day, if the Queensland board can't open, Michael and I can't get married because we can't even get there. So one of the original venues that we looked back at in November or September of 2020 and we loved the venue, but the venue couldn't have 156 people. So we, we you know, got that off the list. Mm-hmm. It was available. And I thought, oh, my gosh, for, you know, 30, we're talking about between 40 to 60 people. If all borders are open, it's 60, but all borders weren't open at this point. So I was like, it's probably about 40 people. Would be perfect for that venue. And they had availability. So we paid a deposit <laughs> and we had venue number three. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, so two takeouts from there. My One of my questions coming up was going to be what was the most challenging part of your planning process? I'm not even going to ask that because clearly the venue shift and the borders were so challenging. But you go into a process of planning your wedding. You go in wanting to hit a top line budget you go in wanting to make sure that you're not you know potentially dropping another house deposit on one particular day some are all for it others have got different life plans as they go about because you had to shift so many times oh my gosh I've actually got anxiety even thinking about what you guys were going through (laughs) whoa um it sounds like Victoria Honestly, I like that has been what we've been, not state crossings, but venue changes and guest changes. That's what we've been doing for two years. So I feel you. I feel what you guys and your family were going through and the choices that you made. But because you were having to shift and you mentioned that you could keep your vendors, which is a huge plus to the deposits you've paid and the budgets you set, coming out of the process – how did you navigate the rest of your budget? Like with all these changes, did it just blow out for you guys or what happened? No, we were so lucky. I mean, so venue number two, we still have a deposit there that we will use. We want to use that venue and we're going to actually use it next year, 2022. um, For those people that could not come to the wedding, we're going to have a little party. It won't obviously be the wedding, but we're going to call it wedding 2.0. So we're going to use the deposit there. That was the only deposit that we essentially didn't use. Everything else, the florist, the musicians, the catering, et cetera. I also hadn't locked in catering until four weeks out because I didn't know what venue we were going to be at. Um, I left as many things that I could. Yeah. So I left as many things as I could. The florist I was set on, the photographer I was set on, the musicians we were set on. So they were locked in and able to move across borders, which was fantastic. The most challenging thing, as you've discussed, was definitely the borders, but it was explaining to people the choice, the choice to keep the date and to move the venue because that restricted people. That was the hardest, hardest, 
hardest conversation and still is a really hard topic to have with people because we still haven't seen any of our Adelaide friends. We haven't seen them for two years because we haven't had open borders to be able to. So that was a really, really hard decision, particularly for Michael. They're his best mates and it was a really, really tough decision. Yeah, it's hard. What you guys have contended with planning a wedding over the last two years is astronomical. It it just, yeah, emotionally exhausting. I think a lot of people kind of get to the end and get married and, you know, the excitement's there and it's incredible, but they are exhausted emotionally because it's a big thing. Yeah, it's huge. I think as well, Michael and I are problem solvers. It probably comes from running our own businesses. I also work in the events and PR industry, so I've hosted a lot of events. So for me, I just kept busy with work naturally and worked all the way up until. But for me, the planning of the wedding was quite easy because I had I knew who my suppliers were, for example, because I'd worked with them on other events. For example, I didn't even have a traditional wedding photographer. I used an event photographer because she shot a lot of our events. Yeah, And I used her because of the relationship. It just made sense. Same with our event um, invites and stationery. I used a girl in Sydney called The Black Line, Bodega, Lauren, who is amazing. And I just messaged her and said, hey, we've got to change. I need a poem. Here's the poem that I need in a text so that we can send it out to, you know, tell people that they're potentially not invited. Can you do that for me? So for me, it was easy because I had the supplier relationships already in that sense. Amazing. Yeah. And that definitely makes the process easier. I know a lot of couples find the fact that there are so many choices out there now that it is almost sometimes too many choices unless they do have a planner that can really narrow it down and say, look, here's your three options for the style you want. If you can't find it there, you're probably not going to find it. So, you know, here's your options. Here is multiple budgets, multiple price points. Take your pick having the luxury of working with these people prior and knowing exactly what you want would have saved time, um, you know, stress, which you already had enough going on anyway, um, and just was able to cohesively bring it all together. Yeah, yeah. There were things such as the only budget, sorry, going back to your question on like did the budget blow out, the only thing that blew out was Obviously, Michael not having groomsmen there, we he had you know four suits that never never got worn. It, that that's a that's a cost, right? We we never looked at it like that because we assumed that everybody would be there. We had yeah. flower girl dresses that have never been worn, and you know they're young girls, so I'm gonna obviously on sell them because they're never gonna fit them again. They're never gonna be able to wear them again. So there were things such as that, but we never looked at it as oh, that's negative because we would have had them there had we yeah. been able to. Had you been there. So it was a cost that we went into knowing, yeah. Absolutely. So you seem, well, you sound like you were pretty set on your main vendors for your wedding day, which is important. Your dresses, because you had two beautiful dresses, so a ceremony and a reception dress, completely different. One party dress and then the most amazing ceremony dress with these gorgeous little cap sleeves tell us about the process for your wedding dress because being in lockdown that would have inhibited you know the process and and the try on and everything as well 
Yeah, so Palace Couture did my main dress and I had seen the dress at Palace's dresses on a few people that I follow on Instagram and just thought that that's who I'm who I'm gonna go with. Yeah. So I booked that was one of the first things that I booked just because I knew that, you know, you kind of have to get that that ball rolling quite early, early in the piece. So I would have booked it 12 months out, so November 2020 for a November 2021 wedding. Yeah. You go in six months prior, they start the actual process of measuring and finding out what it is that you want. So you start trying on dresses and really coming, uh, making the decision of what you want the dress to look like. Originally, I knew I wanted sleeves, but every dress that I had tried on didn't necessarily have sleeves, but I wear sleeves naturally to me. So as I got closer and closer to the wedding, I thought, I just, I need to have sleeves. I can't do it without sleeves. I'm a sleeve girl. So I knew the shape of the dress early on in that it was quite fitted to the top half of my body and then, you know, less fitted around my hips um, region. And I wanted that area to be quite large and have a beautiful long train. I knew I wanted sparkles and like that 3D element of the flowers kind of popping off. Yeah. But I didn't have my appointments to measure. I had my initial six months because we went in lockdown at that point. So it must have been in May. And then everything was done virtually from that point. I did, Michael had to measure me a few times via FaceTime. I did a lace fitting via Zoom, but they were incredible. Palace were amazing. Yeah, they sent photos. If I I had one moment where I thought, oh, maybe I don't like that lace because I couldn't physically see you know, what, what the actual material looked like. And virtually you can only see so much. Yeah. I had one moment during the process where I I just called them and said, can, can you please like talk me through the the lace again? I think I'd made the wrong decision. And she said, it's like this, it's like this. And because I'd been in a few times to try on the dresses, it was easy enough to understand what she was saying, but they were so good at talking you through everything. And then I just had to go back and look at their Instagram and think, you know what, whatever they make, they're going, it's going to be amazing because every dress that they have is amazing. So I just really trusted in that process that I had to do it virtually. As we got closer and Sydney started opening, I was actually able to go in and had had any amendments made where they really fitted it um, to my body. So I had probably in the last week before coming up north, three appointments in a matter of 10 days, but they were just so amazing and they were so great because I was probably the first wedding that they were really having everyone else was kind of in lockdown or they'd reshifted their dates but because we you know went forward with the date that we had decided I was one of the first weddings that they had so they had that kind of time to really see me and just get it done in those last few days because you know, that's what we had to do. Amazing. Oh my gosh. What an experience. Well, it turned out absolutely incredible. And when we put your episode up live and link all your photos, everybody will be able to see all the detail and the texture that you're talking about with your actual wedding dress that you got married in at your ceremony. If your reception dress is anything to go by how your reception was, um, it looks like it was a fun intimate but beautiful you know sit down reception dining under the stars which is pretty amazing as well kind of just going back to what you were saying what you wanted very very initially as your wedding 
um, you know, everything comes around. And like we were saying before, it's if it's meant to be for you guys, it would have happened and eventuated and it did. So take us through your wedding day and, and you know, how, how it all transpired for you guys. Yeah, so we did change up our format a little bit. We had our ceremony at one o'clock. We started with a shot of tequila, which I would say, you know, really got the party started. Love it. Shot, a shot of tequila for all of the guests there. And then obviously the when the bridal party arrived, ceremony was at one. And then we went straight into lunch under the trees. And when I, Michael and I talked about doing a dinner and going off for photos, we just thought it's just not us. We're just not those people. Yeah. So let's go straight into a lunch. We love hosting a lunch. We love a long lunch. Yep. Um, I also like to be in bed by 10 o'clock, you know, not going to lie. The girl <laughs> likes to have her sleep. So we thought let's go straight into a long, it was a Greek feast, which is our favorite style of meal. Your catering Leela actually put reached out to our favorite restaurant in Sydney to get the recipes of what it was that we love to replicate it. So oh. that was me. Had yes, one long table for thirty-seven people under the trees, which was just amazing. The weather was perfect. There was it was twenty-six degrees with a beautiful light breeze. Like we could not have picked the day better. And then from there, from our lunch, we kind of got up from that area and moved on down to the marquee for dancing under the stars and we had fairy lights and a margarita truck which was epic oh my um, gosh. and that was kind of our day we had late night snacks and when I say late night I mean seven o'clock because we'd obviously had this lunch so we had like burgers and pizzas speeches dancing cake it was amazing I then changed into my shorter dress at that point um just so that I could kind of move around which was a Lillian Kaluth dress that I also had made. It was quite structured, short with this huge um, deconstructed bowl at the back. They did obviously an exceptional job. And yeah, everyone just drank margaritas long into the night. We had cars pick everybody up at nine o'clock and take everybody home. Oh my God, I love this. And then we had a recovery day the next day. It was just such, such an amazing day. And the one piece of advice that I have for anyone planning their day is do what you want to do. Don't be so stuck on on the format. Don't be so stuck that you have to have your ceremony at three and then you have to go away for photos and then you have to have like this dinner. Michael and I didn't walk away for photos until sunset and that's when I obviously went and changed into my other dress. It was a total of 15 minutes that we walked away for to have photos and get changed and and came back because we just wanted to be with everyone. We just wanted to immerse ourselves with everyone and we wanted to have the long lunch because that was us and that's what we wanted the day to be. And do you know what? I think we need to say it a little louder for the people in the back. Lunch weddings are everything. I love it. I love it. You get, you know, you you think about it and you think, well, you have four, potentially five hours with your guests at night. That's it. You spend three quarters of it sitting down eating or half of it sitting down eating you're away taking sunset photos for another little bit. You've got limited time on a dance floor. A long lunch allows you to still get those beautiful sunset photos in, have an incredible afternoon that can roll in, you know, get the best part of the day, um, roll into the evening. And like you said, for all us nans in bed by 10 o'clock, 
waking up feeling semi-fresh the next day and then you've got, you know, the option to have an amazing recovery party, which sometimes can end up bigger than the wedding. Absolutely. And I think that is what happened to me because as any bride would know, you everyone's handing you drinks because they always want you to have a drink in your hand, but you're having a sip and you're putting it down and then you're walking away and you're going to the next guest. So you don't, I don't even remember finishing like one physical drink. You know, I just kept sipping and moving on and sipping and moving on. The recovery day, I definitely sank, sank on in to the champagnes. <laughs> I love this. This was this was about you guys though. So you are a hundred percent allowed to do that. So look, yeah, it, was you, great. it was great. It sounded like it was great. You had a margarita truck, which is like speaking to my soul, shots before the ceremony, which is amazing. A long lunch as your reception, which, you know, I think a lot more people are getting on board after COVID. They've realized that you do not have to get married on a Saturday. You do not have to get married at night. You do not have to have a certain run sheet for your wedding day. You can actually change everything up to suit who you are and what you want and make the day more about you rather than more about ticking a box of what should be done. And it sounds like you did all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I had a lot of people reach out when I put up a photo of our, when I put up a photo of our, you know, long lunch under the trees, I had multiple girls reaching out saying, Oh, how did you do the, how did you do the lunch? I've, I've never thought of doing a lunch before I'm planning my wedding. What did your run sheet look like? And I was like, stuff the run sheet, throw yeah. the run sheet out, do what you want. You also, when you book the venue, you book the venue for the day. So you could do whatever you want. We're all so tied to this run sheet or to, this is generally what our timings are. You know, that's what the venue's going to say. We generally start it. Tell them that you don't want to do that. Just push back. The day is for you. Do what makes you guys happy. Do what's going to best make your day the best that it can be. Oh, Jesse, that's an amazing sentiment. And I think just one that, you know what, everybody needs about a bit of positivity after the last couple of years and, you know, looking forward and some little uncertainties popping its head up as well. I think people just need to be reminded that, yeah, this is, you know, we only aim to get married once, right? So you do it your way and, you know, you're going to have the best day. Yeah. I think as well for anyone that is planning a wedding that, you know, it has, is looking at the restrictions or looking at the case numbers and 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 fretting about it because I totally respect that. The other thing that I would say is come back to what you and your partner want. For Michael and I, it was important that we got married on that day. That was at the end of the day when we were talking about worst case scenarios, who is going to be there, who's not. We just had to realize that the day was about him and I and whoever could be there could be there. And we knew the people that potentially couldn't be there and weren't there were going to be there in spirit and really wanted the day to be about us. So that's what's important is, you know, you can go through the pros and cons, but it's your day. So if you guys are okay with that, it might just be the two of you and not the 200 of you, then do that. You know, if that's what you're okay with, then, then do exactly that. Oh, Jesse, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you were able to navigate in the year that everybody has had and come out the other side with just the most epic wedding. It's so nice to chat to you so soon after you got married as well. Like it's so fresh and 
exciting and, you know, everybody needs those good news stories. So thank you for joining us. Congratulations again. And I bet you we are going to see more lunchtime weddings pop up in the next 12 months. Oh, I hope so. Everyone loves a long lunch, you know? Everyone loves a long lunch. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.